0: You know as elisa goes down uh i want to thank her for sharing her story i i think it's just a, re- a good reminder to me that as we gather here on mother's day there's no telling what anybody's story is here in fact i know mother's day brings uh, great celebration and it bring, brings great sorrow when we gather together and so today as we gather uh, i know that our stories are all over the place uh, and, uh, you know, to know, to read this story about Elisa and to know she's four or five doors down from me, the, the hallway, I had no idea all that God had brought her through. And uh, in fact, now she uh, worships at Northwest Baptist Church. Pastor Rob Lindley and his wife were the IMB missionaries that she connected with uh, there. And uh, as a church, you guys are so giving in how you uh, care and, uh, and give and pray and go uh for our missionaries and i just thought it was a great reminder of even though we may not be able to see all that's happening god is using the faithfulness of believers all over the world to be able to see the gospel take place and so lisa thanks for sharing and uh we've got a couple of other ladies from our hope pregnancy centers uh Marjlyn is from our Edmund hope pregnancy center and then uh, patty here colson she runs the mobile unit And so we've got a Saturday morning group of guys that help to take care of uh, the mobile unit that's stored next door here. And Patty uh, leads that ministry, and they go out, they go into Norman, Midwest City, setting up. And uh, it's just a phenomenal ministry, and I'm thankful for you guys and your ministry. So as we gather, it is amazing to think about all the different stories that take place. In fact, all the different things, just looking at social media this last week, To see all the the things that are taking place just at this time of the year. I mean, you're seeing pictures of graduations, end of the school year banquets, and uh, 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 all the things that are uh, taking place right now. And so we're all coming from different seasons of life. As I look across the auditorium, uh, you know, I think about, um, you know, being here when I first came back in uh, 2001, 2002. Uh, John, you were just—I saw you just turned 70, and you were turning 50 at that time, and uh, you had big, wide eyes. Like I'm not a part of the senior adults, and uh, all of that. And and uh, Brooke and I are now in the season of where all of our kids are young adults. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, Jackson recently had a surgery, and I've asked permission to share this from Jackson, so he's given permission. So just let me warn you on that. Okay, let you know that. <clears throat> So he had take, had surgery, and, you know, they come out of surgery. He had kidney stone and uh, all this stuff, and he had to do it twice. And so I was to pick him up uh, or took him to the doctor that morning. They took him back for surgery, came back. And, uh, of course, he's pretty loopy on all of the good stuff that they're, they've given him. And he's, you know, just very, you know, outgoing and, hey, really. And so he had to get up and uh, go to the restroom. So I was making sure that he, you know, he's pretty wobbly on his feet. So he comes back and sits down. The lady says, okay, nurse says, I'm going to take your IV out and, and, uh, and then you can get dressed and you can go. And so she takes his IV out and uh, she says, okay, you can get dressed. And we had, I had all of his stuff there in a bag. And, and um, she, uh, so she leaves the room. And, of course, I've got the little curtain that's dividing there. So I shut the court curtain. I said, Jackson, do you need any help? And he looks at me and he goes, Dad. I'm an adult. I can do this. <laughs> I said, okay. So I get on the other side of the curtain, and I'm standing there, a nurse's station right there. And probably about 10, 15 seconds pass, and I hear this, Dad. <laughs> I, I said, what? And he goes, I can't find my underwear. <laughs> You're an adult. I mean, it, 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 it's... uh. Uh, So we're in that season of life of parenting young adults and I'll never forget Mary Owen telling me that You know at 18 you're still concerned You're still concerned for your kids and all of that and i'm just thankful for that and so many of you uh, We're all different seasons of life, but I want to draw your attention to a scripture verse In the book of philippians and i'm going to ask you to turn your bibles to philippians chapter 1 You know there's there's a couple of verses that I I want us to look at, I, I think about the graduations that have taken place and all of that. And I, I remember reading from the book of Philippians when God used his word to just capture my, my heart, my attention. And I was reading through, uh, we were in a Bible study class at Falls Creek. And the teacher just started reading through this first chapter of Philippians. And he, and he read through Philippians 121. And it said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And he kept on reading. But when he read that verse, it immediately jumped out of my heart that uh, I, was, I was in a bad place. I was searching, I was hurting, and uh, just, just wanting to seek out what it was that God was doing. And that verse... God just grabbed my attention, and I began to talk to some friends about what that meant to what Paul wrote there for me to live as Christ. And you know, you you look at this book of Philippians; it was uh, written, uh, and we see the book of or the church of Philippi was started, and you read about it in Acts chapter sixteen, and it was a Roman colony that was full of Roman soldiers, and there was a lot of political persuasion in that area in that time and uh, So this is where the church of philippi started and this is a letter from the apostle paul to the church there at philippi and uh, He sent this letter of and this was one of many that he sent from prison but paul shares several stories here in the book of philippians And they all surround a very familiar passage, Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. I'm going to invite you to read that with me, and then we're going to jump back into chapter 1. All of the things that Paul is talking about here in the book of Philippians revolves around really what takes place here in Philippians chapter 2. He says, make your own attitude, in verse 5, make your own attitude of that of Christ Jesus. "...who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men, and when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross." For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So everything that's written, that Paul's writing in this letter to the church there at Philippi, he's in prison, he's writing this, and he's really sending it back as an encouragement to them to live out their faith. And I, in fact, look at chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Chapter 1, verses 27 and 28 says, Just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents, this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your deliverance, and this is from God. It's interesting when we look at those verses, uh, if you look at maybe some of your different translations, like I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Version, uh, the NIV starts out verse 27. It says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Verse uh, 27 in uh, the ESV says, Only let your manner of life to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then as I read it here in the Holman Christian San- Standard, Paul says, and this is almost where the, um, the meat of the letter kind of, uh, uh, kind of launches from in verse 27. And, and it, Paul says, just one thing. So, so this is a transition in the letter to uh, the church at Philippi from Paul because he'd been talking about his imprisonment earlier in chapter one. He'd been talking about, in fact, there was he was encouraging these believers at Philippi because they were discouraged because he had been he'd been captured. He's been put in prison. And that was the whole reason that Paul had quoted in verse 21 for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Because he wanted to be an encouragement to them that if it is intended for me to die in this prison or to be executed, it will be far better for me because I will be immediately with Jesus. But if it's not, it's going to be of greater purpose that I'm going to be able to go and begin to, to start new churches, to be able to continue the gospel work. And so I love what he starts there with, in verse 27, just one thing or whatever happens. And I, and I thought about uh, this and praying about uh, what to share this morning. I mean, it's Mother's Day, and, and, and I, I thought, well, Lord, what, what would I be able to offer on Mother's Day? In fact, Owen's been really good about, in years past, about uh, sharing, uh, you know, Jim, here's where we're, I'll, I'll be in this passage, you can preach from this passage. Well, he didn't give me any of that, uh, but I was tempted to come up and tell you that he, you know, gave me, you know, 23 Ways to Be a Better Mom uh, by Owen Neese. Uh, So, but he didn't give me any of that. Uh, I wanted you to send him emails. He's always throwing the other staff under, send it to Cody at Emmaus or Jeff at Emmaus, and so I wanted to create a little bit of... Uh, 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 struggle for him as he's away, but I am so thankful. And by the way, let me just pause here real quick. Um, for, For 21 and a half years, we had the privilege to be able to serve on staff. Thank you as a church family for how you care for your staff. Owen being away today on sabbatical is just a great gift to him and his family to be able to just pour into him as he's able to go and be away and be with other pastors, go visit another church, be able to do that, and be able to go to church with his family. For the last 10 months, Brooke and I have been able to walk into church together. i have never done that in all of our years of ministry. And so thank you for how you pour into your staff. Be praying for Pastor Owen and Amanda and uh, all of that. And, uh, of course, I also didn't know that today would be the day that... Uh, uh, would be Amy's last day, and she would be coming to work with us at Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children. So we'll move on to Scripture here, all right? <laughs> but, but I do want to say thanks to Amy and Jeff, and we just appreciate you guys and your ministry. But it's interesting here, as Paul says, just one thing. I think, I think we need to be reminded of some things of what's of most importance because I think a lot of times we can get caught up in some things that really just aren't that important. When it comes to living out our faith and, and walking uh, faithfully with our Lord. The first thing is, uh, it says, he says in verse 27, just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. We have, as, as followers of Christ, we've placed our faith in Christ. We've submitted to him. We have a citizenship in heaven. And do you understand what that means? It's not just, I know where I'm going. It is an eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father that is going to be in His presence. That's, that's what heavenly citizenship is going to entail. You know, you think about it. Paul's writing from the perspective of being in prison... He's a Roman citizen, and he says, um, uh, we have this citizenship in heaven. Now, think about what Paul's writing there, because Paul is writing as a Roman citizen in prison, and Roman citizenship was a big deal. In fact, if you look back at Acts chapter 16, there's a few verses there uh, that uh, at midnight, uh, down in verse uh, 16, verse 25, after about midnight, Paul and Silas we praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was this violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. The guards were freaking out that the, the, the uh, inmates were loose. And Paul and them assured them, don't harm yourself because all of us are here. They stayed there. And then you drop down and it says, when daylight came, the chief magistrate sent the police to say, release those men. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released, so come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They beat us in public without a trial, although we are Roman citizens, and they threw us in jail, and now they're going to smuggle us out secretly? Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. Then the police reported these words to the magistrates. They were afraid... The magistrates were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, escorting them out. They urged them to leave town, and after leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house, where they saw and encouraged the brothers and departed. This is the context that Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. He's encouraging them, and when Paul says just this one thing, as as citizens of heaven... Remember what that citizenship involves. Paul was writing from a perspective that he knew what his citizenship meant among the Romans. I can't even say the word. But he knew what it meant among the Romans and being able to to be there and to to call out uh, them for their actions and to be able to, the privileges that it gave him as a citizen of Rome. Now, when we think about this, Paul and all that's taken place, uh, knowing that he was a Roman citizen, knowing that not that Roman citizenship, his heavenly re- uh, citizenship, his relationship with the Lord, takes precedence over everything. And so he's reminding them to know this. So, so for us as believers, to, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, the first and foremost thing that we could be reminded of is to know where our citizenship is, to know that we belong to the kingdom of heaven and what that means. And then he says, live in a manner worthy of the gospel. The gospel call, call, the gospel call begins when God, out of his free love and grace, gives us this incalculable value That we not only don't deserve, we could never earn. But we positively don't deserve because of who we are and what we've done. And it cost him, his own son, to give it to us. And he gives it to us freely. So to live in a manner worthy of the gospel is us understanding what it is that it cost God, our Heavenly Father, to uh, send his son to live out his life here on the face of the earth we need to understand what it cost him so when we live in a manner worthy of the gospel it's not just uh, I'm going to heaven when I die I, I don't know how many times I've we've done a lot of funerals here know how many times I would visit with family and these were the words this was the assurance that they had well he prayed to receive Christ she prayed to receive Christ when they were seven years old now they were 60 something years old and never lived a life of obedience to our Heavenly Father our assurance is not in a prayer our assurance is in who God is and what he's done for us on the cross so live in a manner worthy of the gospel it's not just i know where i'm going it's not just being prepared for his return i i laugh that you know as as kids now this is before uh cell phones and all of that we lived 40 miles outside of amarillo texas out in the middle of nowhere and uh my mother it was me and my three brothers lived there in the apartment and my mother would call us when she was leaving. We, we had no trackers, okay? We didn't have trackers on the wall phone, okay? And uh, so mom would have a list of things for us to do by the time she returned home. And so we knew that mom would call when she was leaving Amarillo. In fact, they would, uh, she would say, I'm bringing home dinner, which was basically Little Caesars pizza when they put it in two deals and they wrapped it with paper okay i'm bringing home dinner and so when she made that phone call we knew that we better get that list done and then the war began okay between me and my brothers all right we knew that she was coming church family we don't have any guarantee of when christ is going to return other than he is going to return We can't live our lives in thinking that I'm okay uh, with just praying a prayer. God has called us into submission to who he is and to live our lives as a manner to reflect who he is and what he's done in our lives. And that's when I think about the seasons of life that we are in. There have been times throughout my life I I would think, man, I can't wait till I get to this age and I'll never have to deal with this again you're thinking about some sin struggle or whatever okay everybody here we know this we all struggle with sin we know that there are things that maybe we're keeping hidden and secret and god knows what those thoughts those sins are and he desperately wants to rescue you from dealing with that shame and he has provided a way He's provided a way for us to be able to do that. To live in a manner worthy of the gospel. I think it's encouraging for us to think about that what we're living for is not just what we prayed for at seven or eight years old or for me for 16 years old. What we are living a life worthy of is what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Did you, reading back that uh, that passage in uh, Philippians chapter 2, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave taking on the likeness of men. What Jesus did for us on the cross, for us, was that he emptied himself of any privilege. He emptied himself of his kingship. He emptied himself of, of who he was, to be able to come and to be able to take on the sins of the world. That's who we are to live our lives in a manner worthy of. And I think about this all the time, that what, what would ever give us confidence to stand in front of a holy God? What would give you and I confidence to stand in front of a holy God? I think there are a lot of times, and I think I've heard this said, and I think it's true, that one of our greatest temptations as believers is to think that there's something that we can do to make ourselves right with God. That is not (laughs) biblical. That is not what Scripture teaches. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves right with God. The only thing that gives us assurance that we one day will be able to stand. Uh, in front of a holy God is based on what Jesus Christ has done for us by taking on our sins going to the cross and dying on the cross for our sins being buried and rose again it's Jesus righteousness that makes us right with God it's not our righteousness so to live that life in a manner worthy of the gospel is to know who it is that we represent we don't ever need to forget the gospel of Christ because it, uh, it's, it's how we live that out. And I think we're, we're fleshing that out on a daily basis. I've been serving as uh, Director of Human Resources uh, with the, the Children's Home. We've got 150 employees around the state, four different campuses, our Hope Pregnancy Centers. And I'll get applications of people that are really searching of they want to serve the Lord. And uh, I remember getting an application of a young man that I actually knew. And uh, he's got over, over qualified for all of his degrees in engineering and all of this. And he said, uh, I just feel called to, to, to be able to go into ministry. And so I called him and I talked to a friend here and I said, you need to meet with this guy because where he's at, God's going to use him. In incredible ways and god wants to use him where he's at as an engineer guys god has placed us where we are and i don't think that we need to look at living our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel is going and doing something else that god has already gifted us to be able to do i i believe that he's called us to be faithful with where we are to be able to share the hope of who jesus is with the lost and dying world around us and then the, the third thing I want us to be reminded of in this passage, he, he says, um, just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel, then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind. Working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. The, the last part of this is we need to know the gospel. The gospel. We need to know what it is. It isn't that just that God loves you. The gospel is so much better than that. God loves us at the cost of his son. And God has given his own son and has come to take God's wrath that, meant, that was meant for us. Because Jesus took on our sin, we might be received by God as if we were his. We need to know the gospel as we live out our lives, uh, moment by moment, in this season of life. Church family, uh, uh, Thursday night, this is something I think that we're all familiar with. Uh, we, took shelter, we prepared to take shelter in our storm shelter that night. But at our house, we had several friends that came to join us. And, uh, and here, here's the, I shared earlier that Elisa, I didn't know her story. We all have different experiences, different things that, that have happened in our lives. But I was thinking about this night, those that were gathered in our home. We had uh, a mom and her son that were in Briarwood when it was hit by the 2013 tornado. We had a young lady from Arkansas who's never been around tornadoes and was just terrified with all of these alerts she was getting on her phone, and what do I do? Where do I go? We wanted her come to be able to share, okay, the, and uh, talking on the phone to her until she got to her home, just everything's going to be fine. You get here, you'll be fine. Cody and Megan and the kids came over, and and uh and the boys uh lincoln and his girlfriend they, everybody came and everybody had a different experience of why they were here and what they experienced before coming to prepare to take shelter church family we all come from different experiences no experience is exactly alike but god has done amazing things through through you and desires to continue to do that, and we are to encourage each other, as Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, let us encourage one another, and provoke one another unto love, and to good works, not forsaking that assembling of ourselves, together as the manner of some is, but encouraging each other, until the day of Christ's return. Church family, this morning, as we gather for Mother's Day, my prayer is that, that we would live a life, worthy of the manner of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that we would help each other, to flush that out to what that looks like and we would encourage each other until the day of Christ's return let's pray father this time we give to you and I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that's struggling with knowing you as personal Lord and Savior that their hope is in you and their hope is um, in you and you alone God I pray that you would just uh, be with us be with each person here God you know their unique story you know how God ha- how you have been working in their lives You know that there are people here that simply just need to turn to you and submit to you everything. And God, I pray that you would give them the courage to be able to do that here in a safe place. Father, we give this time to you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.